to Inside the Founders Studio with the California Technology Council, where we bring you perspectives directly from startup founders and investors in every episode. Now we turn to our host in our Northern California headquarters, Matt Gardner, founder of the California Technology Council. On this episode of Inside the Founder Studio, we're with Ray Banatow, co-founder of Kenora Technologies. Ray, thanks for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having us. Ray, can you give us a, a little bit of a sense of how Kenora got started and what the inspiration for it was? Sure. Um, Kenora, as far as the core team goes, is kind of like the stars aligning uh, in terms of how we all got together. Um, you know, my background goes back to founding a prior company called uh, Entropy Resins, um, actually with my brother. And we were both, uh, I, I come from a biochemistry background. He came from a material science engineering background. And, um, you know, we grew up here in California in, you know, the Silicon Valley. Our father was an engineer. And, uh, you know, we just kind of grew up around technology and, and um, you know, being in the Bay Area and startups. And uh, when, when it came time for us to think about what we wanted to do, you know, I was finishing up actually a postdoc working in nanomaterials um, at UCLA and, and my brother Desi uh, had spent a couple years with another uh, materials startup. And we were talking about ideas that we wanted to work on. Um, we, as the other kind of vector in our path, uh, you know, growing up in California, we were also exposed to, to growing up doing a lot of things outdoors. Um, uh, some, some of the most fond memories of, of my childhood is growing up in the back of a 79 Volkswagen van cruising up and down the coast of California, camping and going to the beaches. And so we grew up around um, doing a lot of act outdoor activities and sports like, you know, snowboarding and surfing. And so we combined those passions and it was actually the, uh, the, the spark was our having a conversation with our father who basically said, look, you know, you guys have been talking about starting and chasing down your own ideas for a long time. Why don't you guys just do something and where if you do it, think about how you're going to contribute back to the field that you want to get into. So our initial idea was talking about um, starting a sporting good company, actually. But our spin on it was to use advanced materials. And those ideas actually evolved over time. We looked at the opportunities in materials and, and specifically in composites for performance uh, materials. And and with sporting goods applications, and we found an opportunity to start Entropy Resins, which focuses entirely on bio-based, um, renewable performance resins for composites. And that company we started about eight years ago, and it's still in business. My brother Gezi is the CEO of it and runs it. And about, I would say, a little over two and a half years ago, one day at Entropy, um, actually, no, it was at a trade show, we met Stefan Pastine. And he is the CTO currently of Kenora. Um, we met him at a trade show, and he found us because of Entropy. And he knew what our mission was there to make more sustainable products. Except Stefan's spin and the technology that he brought to us was for Kenora was this idea that you could make thermosets 
plastics, uh, like resins, which were the kind that Entropy was making, you could make them recyclable. And that's a totally novel concept in the world of thermosets. And so when we saw what he was doing and he introduced it to us, we just knew we had to be involved in, in that idea as well. So we actually incubated Kenora inside of Entropy for the last two and a half years. Um, I joined as CEO last year to go help the company fundraise, um, and we got some seed money from um, Samsung Ventures, actually, as well as friends and family and angels, you know, the traditional startup route. Um, and we were able to go, you know, basically go build and, and launch products here with Kenora um, as of last year. And so that's where we're at today. That's kind of how it happened for us. There was no real plan or path to how to do it. It just kind of worked. <laughs> That's a great story, Ray. Now, uh, we obviously have seen you present at one of the Tech Council's demo days, and one of the things that you did there was bring uh, a small kind of an object that looked like a surfboard that really made an impression on folks. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, being able to show people uh, an early prototype and what a difference that's made in trying to grow a new company? Right, right. yeah. So, um you know, I think the whole philosophy of, of how to launch a product, for me, in my experience, uh, really works when you can put something out in front of people, let them touch and feel it, and get feedback. And that iterative loop of making a prototype, getting feedback, making it better, and then, you know, at one point in that life cycle, calling it a product and then starting to sell it, like that whole interaction is, for me, really critical. And I learned from my own experience with Entropy doing that. You know, I later found that, uh, came across the book The Lean Startup by Eric Ries and like, learned that it was actually called Making a Minimum Viable Product. Um, and so we truly believe in that philosophy. And so our path with Kenora is to actually, you know, as we design new materials, new molecules, make sure we can get those into tangible products that, um, you know, and, and then you have to go find those what they call early adopters willing to use your material at whatever infant state it's at, you know, to, to go test these ideas. And so the, the thing that I brought, um, you know, to the CTC event was, was basically that. It was my minimum viable product. The cool thing is it's, in, it's actually a real product that you can buy in stores today and it's a pretty simple product. So what I brought was they call it a hand plane, and it's used for body surfing. And there's this um, partner company of ours down in Southern California called Enjoy Hand Planes, and it's a you know a three-man outfit, and they just manufacture these things all by hand. But the cool thing is they don't need a ton of material. You know their testing is pretty quick. They just jump in the water and go surf it, and they tell you whether or not it works. Um, but the the kind of the last piece to that to make it all happened was making sure that there was a market for it. And the market for this was basically Patagonia. So Patagonia is a well-known company. You know, um, their philosophy around sustainability really resonated with this idea of making products that had an end-of-life solution. And so that kind of trifecta of Kenora bringing the technology, Enjoy making the product, and Patagonia helping to create the market really works for our little ecosystem. Yeah, so let's talk about getting to market. Are you finding that uh, this is what you thought it would be and, and you're able to access the potential opportunities that you foresaw when you got Kenora started? Um, 
You know, I think this is the case of every entrepreneur. Uh, we're we're constant daydreamers, and I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to be an eternal optimist. Um, if you thought something was impossible or thought something was too hard to do, you would never be successful. And that's how I would think most entrepreneurs would agree with that statement is you need to push things in the light of adversity and in the light of people telling you it's impossible. You have to keep going until you actually make it happen. And so, you know, it's one thing to make a little hand plane. Now, when we started Kenora, you know, same, I would say the case was the same. Maybe we were a little naive. You know, bringing a new material, new molecule to market is um, not that easy. And I think in the chemistry world and chemicals and materials, there's not a lot of examples of startups um, because the path to bringing these things in the market are kind of long. I would say in relative comparison to, say, um, you know, digital apps or, you know, the IT space. So, and I think it's an, a different investor climate these days than it was, you know, say, back in the early 2000s or even, you know, five to, five to six years ago when, you know, venture capital was a different thing, right? So raising money to, to do something, um, what, what I like to call being an industrialist, right? Indus being an industrialist means you, you have to develop an industry, and I think that's the hard part about our space in, in, for Kenora being in the materials and chemical world is your group of potential investors um, has changed uh, over the last five, six years. Sure. So one of the things that's been uh, interesting in the renewables space is that, of course, uh, consumers and industries of all types express interest in replacing maybe traditional or more harmful supply chains with renewable materials, but only if it comes at a, at a similar or lower cost. What, what's your experience been there in, in uh, trying to talk through uh, potential customers? Yeah, I... I... Uh, my experience comes from actually doing it and trying to sell the, a bio-based value proposition. You know, I think I think the realities of, of being in business is that people, you would hope that people would do things because it's better for the environment or better for the planet, et cetera, um, but that's not always the case. And, and there needs to be an economic motivation for someone to want to adopt a new material. Um, switching costs for example, for manufacturers is a really tough thing to overcome. So there needs to be a built-in advantage around your solution, if it be bio-based or not. Um, and so you need to either be solving a problem for a customer where your material or your you know, service is actually lowering their costs of either manufacturing, design, development, whatever, wherever in the value chain you are. Um, and so... That's the one thing we always focus on as well, back even with Entropy and now with Kenora, is making sure that the materials we design will help them solve a problem. So in the case of Kenora, where we're putting a, a recyclability feature, um, we need to make sure that the, the ability to recycle your material will save you as a manufacturer um, money. Right? So you, you'll either be able to reclaim your waste from production, or somehow in your business model be able to take back a product from a customer and recycle it, and that's going to add value either to your customer's experience and let them save money um, and thus create a business for you or allow you to save money in your manufacturing your product. So 
you always have to be conscious of, of the cost, and I don't think that's ever going to change um, in this bio-based economy. Sure. Uh, Ray, have you been through any accelerators or any other kind of program that's helped you get to market faster? Um, so, you know, one excellent, well, it's not really an accelerator, but it's, and it's pretty well known, is the SBAR program, right? So this is federal funding. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's a wide, it's basically available to everyone. <laughs> um, and it's a way to have ideas tested and have funding to go test those ideas and prove a concept to go later commercialize and bring to market. Um, but that's not necessarily, I think, an accelerator in probably the sense that you're asking. Am I right? Um, yeah, but that's also non-dilutive funding, which is very helpful. Yeah, and that's probably the biggest advantage to the SAR program. So, um, and I think that will help you go raise money eventually because you, you, it's an efficient use of, of, uh, of resources to go develop and test an idea. And like I, to my point earlier, I don't know, I think the appetite for VCs to invest early R&D has, has probably lessened over time. Um, you know, we, we've participated in different platforms. Um, you know, for clean tech, there's a, a I3 platform or clean tech 100, I think is the associated organization. And, and we, you know, we have profiles on there and we, um, have entered, you know, various online through online, um, kind of sourcing. We were part of the launch program, which was, uh, is a really cool initiative, um, put on by NASA, Nike, USAID, and the U.S. State Department. And that whole effort around launch, the whole idea behind that was to help new ideas get to market faster through a collective, what they call a collective genius. And that's basically people from industry, investors, government, all working together to get ideas out there. Um, and so luckily Panora was part of that. Um, and that really helped bring up, I would say, awareness around what we do. And the cool thing that happened after that was um, we later learned that the World Economic Forum identified our space, recyclable thermosets, as one of the top ten innovations for this year to look out for. So I think, you know, being part of these platforms just brings a voice to what we're doing, especially in an area where it's so new. Like recyclable thermosets is just such a new concept um, and and the infrastructure to be to be able to do recyclable thermosets hasn't really been invented yet. So in being in such a new space, you know, we have to participate in accelerators and and incubators just to get you know the message out there. Hey, you've got basic awareness to build about a, a totally new category, right? Exactly, exactly, and that's why we're you know also excited about CTC. Thank you for that, Ray. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about the process of, of kind of being an entrepreneur. So, um, you know, going through this, you've obviously been through this before, so you talked about that history a little while ago. But can you uh, maybe go back to the beginning? If I'm going to give you a time machine, Ray, what do you go back and tell yourself about the things that you're about to experience so that you could either handle them better or understand better things that you didn't anticipate? What would you say to yourself? And, and just for the sake of uh, entertainment value, Give yourself only one thing. You're only you're only gonna have time in this time machine to say one thing to your past self. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I would probably say, you know, and I, now I have the advantage of retrospect here, um, but I would say, you know, be more brave. Um, you know, the path for buying, you know, these companies is that, you know, I kind of, we kind of started them organically, and you don't know a lot of what you're getting into until you actually do it. And there's a lot of trial by fire and a lot of mistakes made, and, and I appreciate the learning from those mistakes. But I would say the path to making that happen, whether it be faster or at a larger scale, would probably have happened if we were a little more brave, maybe taking a little bit bigger bets. Because in retrospect, looking back, yeah, you know, we made these ideas happen, and, and we are making positive progress towards our goals. So, so you know, I think if we're more brave in, in our ability to take bigger bets and, and bigger risks, you know, who knows, the payoff could be bigger by now or happen faster. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. So now if you were speaking to a classroom full of entrepreneurs, what else might you add? Um, uh, definitely know or identify when you don't know something or identify, be able to identify and be, you know, be realistic with yourself when you or your team can't get a question answered or a problem solved because undoubtedly there are people out there who know how to do it. And so you have to be able to know when to ask for help. I don't think there's any one startup that ever figured out everything by themselves on an island, right? And so there's, and there's different ways to find that help, whether you have to pay for it through consultants or, you know, or just reaching out to your board or investors um, or, you know, yeah, just or finding within your own network. But, but um, I think you'll save a lot of time and frustration if you know when you just need to go find that help and, and don't be afraid to, to spend resources on that help, again, if it's time or money. Okay, now we're going to uh, look at, a, at this question a different way. Um, as an entrepreneur, what's got you up at 2 in the morning, and, and what are the kinds of challenges you're facing that keep you up all night? Um, well, in a practical sense, uh, getting actual work done. <laughs> uh, being on the CEO side, you know, I, I probably spend a lot of my time in communication and, and especially on email um, and trying to just get the practical side done of running my company. Uh, and that goes everything, that, that's everything from paying bills, you know, to, um, to, you know, joining online platforms and incubators. Uh, I do a lot of that work at 2 in the morning when there's no distractions uh, because during the day I like to be with, with our team and, and working on things in, in person, and there's no substitute for that. So that's usually what keeps me up at two in the morning. Um, now, if it's a if it's something stressful or a concern, I would just say, you know, something that's constantly on our minds is figuring out how to get a new technology or creating a new market. Right? That's a huge problem. That's something that's always on the back of our minds. And there's probably a million ways to skin that cat. So, you know, we are always thinking of creative ways to. You know, how do you bring this new concept to market? Okay, so now you're looking forward at this stage, Ray, and, and I'd, I guess I'd like to get a sense from you of how you'll know you've kind of gotten over the hump. And, and uh, 
uh, if you could, uh, let us know what you think of that answer, both for Kenora and, and how you know you've got that sort of feeling of having made it as an entrepreneur in general. So, you know, well, as an entrepreneur in general, the, the thing that even motivated myself and my brother, Desi, to want, even want to start our own company in the first place was the idea that, that we wanted to make a product and we wanted to see it in the marketplace. So knowing that our efforts affected other people in a positive way, um, and there's a million ways to measure that. It's whether or not your product sells or whether or not your product makes, say, an environmental impact, you know, as you know, quantified, however you measure it, carbon footprint, whatnot. Um, and so we just knew we wanted to create something and have an impact on people in a positive way. And so our measure of success was just that. And it took a while, but along the way, you know, there were different ways to gain success in our own measures and feel good about it. And, like, the first was, you know, that very first time we saw a product that said, you know, had the SuperSAP logo, which is the trademark, um, you know, product name of Entropy. Uh, the first time there we saw a real product in a store, right, just like, like I call it being in the wild. Like, you walk into a retail store and there you see a product that has your logo on it because it was made with your material. That was, like, really gratifying. We were nowhere near being a profitable company then, but that was a measure of success for us because our success was always measured in these growing milestones. I think for Kenora, um, you know, because it's such a new idea, now, like, for example, we, we, you can see the, the Kenora, the products made with Kenora resins in Patagonia, and that's one measure of success for us, and that's gratifying, but... As a company, our long-term goal is to make sure that we have an impact on the entire industry. So I think we'll, we, in our own minds at Kenora, will feel successful when we see, you know, the composites industry adopting this approach of using recyclable thermosets, recycling them, and turning that value back into new products. Um, and again, same thing. Like, you know, once we see a car made with you know, recyclable composites. Once we see an airplane made with recyclable composites, that'll be a measure of success for us. Ray, when you're running into trouble or you've hit a challenge that you didn't expect or aren't sure how to handle, uh, who's your call to the bullpen? Where's the first place that you turn for help? Um, so, and, it, and I'm assuming that I have already gone through my normal hierarchy, which is like internally within my team, my CTO, um, of course, you know, with the experience I had with my brother, he's probably one of the first people I hit up <laughs> um, and and bounce, you know, the question off of him. Um, and then I would say after that would be our father because he's, he's an experienced entrepreneur as well. And so, you know, I have the nice safety of being able to talk with family who who has the experience of also being entrepreneurs and having dealt with investors. And so that's basically my bullpen. That's fantastic. Uh, this has been Ray Banatow, the co-founder of Kenora Technologies. Again, Ray, thank you for the time today. Thank you, Matt. Enjoyed it. This episode of Inside the Founder Studio was brought to you by PitchBook, providing CTC members with discounts on annual subscriptions to their unique collection of venture data. For more information, visit californiatechnology.org slash member benefits.
Inside the Founders Studio is produced in Northern California by the California Technology Council.